Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead horse 1d6 damage at a time. Speaking of beating a dead horse, themed comedy RPGs are the absolute worst, like 99% of the time. I'm not referring to any specific game, I'm just saying. Today, we're reviewing Extreme Vengeance, a hilarious RPG about playing characters in a stereotypical action movie. Also, the book hates Hulk Hogan. I'm just saying, again, I'm just saying. It's System Mastery. Welcome back to System Mastery. John, my co-host, my good friend, the friend of Jeff, who is me, there where the introductions are done. What would you say is your favorite action movie? Like stereotypical guns blazing type action movie. Yeah. Well, if I have to pick one that you is... You do. I have to? Yeah, I said. Is it, is it like contingent on something? Like if I don't, then... Your chair was wired to explode. I'm sorry I didn't tell you this earlier. Oh, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was wondering what you were doing with those explosives under there. Yeah. And now it all becomes You'll notice I, I mapped them out in a ring p- formation so that they'll blow a hole into your butt. Like a bigger hole than usual. <laughs> like a bigger hole. Yeah. Like a big old... Like, basically, your butt's going to have a big crack in it when this is over. <laughs> hey, Doug. <laughs> I think my butt's broken. There's a crack running down it. <laughs> right down the middle. No. Uh, What's your favorite action movie, John? I God, that's tough. But I think if I have to go straight action movie, I'm going to go Terminator 2. That's a really, really good choice. Yeah, yeah. I, I like it. It's got a really good blend of straight-up action, comedy. There's a good amount of sci-fi in there as well, mm-hmm. so you can do stuff that's a little above what you would normally be able to do. Okay. And, well, uh, and you've choice. got that, that implacable villain. Yeah. That's a great choice. Uh, yeah, Robert Patrick in that movie, get out of town. Yeah, so yeah. good. So he's terrifying. And like, he, for some reason, I, I remember reading that he like modeled his performance on predatory birds. <laughs> like I was like, when, when I was reading about that, Robert Patrick was interviewed about the thing and he was like, oh yeah, I spent a bunch of time studying like falcons and owls and stuff so I could, I could act like those. Wow. Yeah. So there yeah. you go. Good. All Terminator right. 2 is a solid choice. Yeah. What, what would you say yours is? Uh, aliens? Aliens, that's a good, solid choice as well. Yeah, I really like Aliens. It's, I, I mean, people who listen to various shows that we do know that the only horror movies I, I like are the ones about aliens in general. Yeah. I'm not, for some reason, The Undead does nothing for me, and neither does random psycho killers or anything, but I am scared to fucking piss in myself of aliens. Yeah. It, it's weird, cause I don't even really think they're around. I, I don't, I mean, sure they're around. It's, it's, it's mathematically unlikely that they are not, but... Scary aliens scare me more than other scary things. There you go. And the Aliens movie is well-crafted. It's it's tight and tense all the way through. The weapons are cool even when they prove useless. You've got badass female characters way before Hollywood get, really got on board with that. I mean, Vasquez, come on. Oh, and I think with that, it's... Uh it's an amazing ensemble cast. Oh, and yeah. Even though, like, basically everyone dies. Sure. You go through and you're like, yeah, I can tell you bits about every single character in there except for maybe Wurzbowski. Yeah, no one really knows much about him. Uh, or but but yeah, I mean Paul Reiser is great in that as kind of a craven villain. Oh yeah, and of course you've got that whole like the real bad guy is human. Yeah, yes, yeah, the, the the true villain is man. Also acid-blooded aliens. <laughs> the true villain is these aliens that really want to rip into you. <laughs> 
it turns out, in a shocking twist, the real villain is Xenomorphs. Man, I don't know why I was announcing that aliens were the real villain as Don Pardo there. <laughs> and it turns out the aliens are the villain! With musical guest Jeff Tweedy! <laughs> <laughs> and your host, Xenomorph! <laughs> So, okay, the reason we're talking the action movies is because today's book review is Extreme Vengeance, which is a, a fun little kind of short RPG done in a very comedic style that purports to allow you to play the characters in action films specifically, the way that action film characters act. So it rewards you for playing action-y, it does not reward you for playing intelligently. Yeah, the, the book right out the gate... Uh, the like introduction to it is basically, hey, we're people that played a lot of games, but didn't design a whole bunch, but then just decided we would make a game because we wanted to do action movie stuff. This is also the second or maybe third time in our, our history of reviewing games where the book has the what is an RPG section, and it just kind of goes, you know, and if you don't, put this down and go buy a game that has the section that explains what RPGs are. Yeah. Which I kind of appreciate, although... I've kind of become kind of a, a total connoisseur of what is an RPG descriptions. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a part of me that really wants people to try just so I can dig into it. Just so I can rip. Ooh, you say it's like an imagination game with friends. Ooh. <laughs> oh, what a heady scent that is. That's redolent of fresh cut grass. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, that has notes of caramel. Oh, a board game where I am the piece? <laughs> you... <laughs> you <laughs> You don't say. Ooh, wonderful. Yes, okay, I'm picking up some oak and some uh, ooh, grape tannins. <laughs> uh, also, I gotta say, Back to the Future 4 with grape tannin, not the best villain. <laughs> grape tannin? <laughs> Thank you, Zemeckis. That's my, my annual yearly prayer to Zemeckis for not making Back to the Future 4 happen yet. <laughs> uh, it's him and it's, uh, oh shit, who is it? Uh, oh fuck, I can't remember. Joe Dante? Who, who's the guy who won't let them make another Gremlins movie? Dante. It's Dante, yeah. No, no, it's... Uh... Oh, Joe Dante just directed the second one, didn't he? Yeah. It's I forget who owns the Gremlins, but but he's basically like, no, you can't make any more Gremlins movies. <laughs> no, not more. We done. <laughs> we, we, we did what we set out to do. <laughs> we have explored that verse to we, its fullest. We made a lady Gremlin who seduced, I think it was like Armin Shimmerman or something. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> we hit peak Gremlin. <laughs> what can we do? We, oh, what's that? An idea for a lightning gremlin? We did it already. <laughs> what do you got? Vegetable gremlin? Done. <laughs> we took care of flying gremlin that can go outside, but it gets covered in cement? Covered. <laughs> in cement. <laughs> Every good gremlin idea is taken already. Oh, oh, sir, spider gremlin? Done. Also, did you have ideas for Mogwai? Was one of them to make it Rambo? Well, too fucking bad. We did it. <laughs> what if one of the gremlins could talk, sir, and it hosted a talk show? <laughs> Oh, we went there. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> don't you fret. We don't need another Gremlins movie. Gremlins 2 took care of it. <laughs> but yeah, once a year, I thank Zemeckis for not letting there be a Back to the Future 4, and whoever for not letting there be a Gremlins 3. <laughs> thank you, whoever. <laughs> uh... Anyway, the game basically s starts out with a long description of not what is an RPG, but what defines a old-school action movie. Yes. They, they want you to really think about, you know, what do you love in action movies? What makes something an action movie? And how do you translate that to how you play? Right. Which is weird to me because a lot, I mean, 
If I wasn't saying Aliens is my all-time favorite action movie, I'd be saying it's The Raid. Yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah, and The Raid is a movie where the action characters are, you know, smart and good at fighting and take cover a lot. Eh, yeah, it's, but... It's, but this movie, this isn't about that. This isn't about like what modern America or what modern. So I shouldn't say American. That movie's from like the Philippines. America. Yeah, <laughs> but, but uh, what modern movies do action in a cool, subversive, neat new way? This is about. Do you want to play as Jean Claude Van Damme and do your spin kick into a guy's face? Yeah, this is definitely much more a. 70s, 80s action movie? Uh, up into the early 90s. I mean, you've got a lot of Jackie Chan references in here, too, so... Yeah, so, but that, that early Jackie Chan, though. Well, yeah, early Jackie Chan is fucking amazing. <laughs> the dude was like the human version of an Ewok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he would just find anything, turn it into a weapon, and murder you with that it. That is correct. That's my... Sta- our bog-standard opinion of Ewoks yeah. is that they are li- they're weapon makers that turn anything they're left near into a cool weapon. That's Jackie Chan. Yeah. Young Jackie Jack- Chan will fuck you up. What, what do you got? A ladder in an aquarium? Watch out. He's going to beat you up with the ladder in the aquarium. Yeah. You have to fight Jackie Chan in a <laughs> fully blank white room, and that's the <laughs> only way you have a chance. <laughs> so... And you gotta be naked. <laughs> you gotta, or he's gonna take your shirt and kill you with your he'll shirt. Turn your shirt into a catapult and use it to launch your pants at you. <laughs> uh so yeah, this this book is very much like think about Dirty Harry, think about Jean-Claude Van Damme, think about all like Conan and Commando. It's, Whatever you do, don't think about no holds barred. Yeah. Fucking why is this book so mean to Hulk Hogan? So, like really mean it may seem like i'm bringing that out more than once but that's because the book brings it out more than once and right away also it's always terry balea yeah they're really mad at not hulk hogan terry balea who never went by terry balea in any of the movies no if you went up to someone and was like hey man i really hate terry balea they'd be like who what here's the thing they're not wrong Every Hulk Hogan movie is garbage. Oh, ex- it except is for what? Just bad. Rambo 3. Uh, not Rambo. What the fuck am I saying? Rocky 3. Yeah. Where he's just sort of a minor disposable character in the, near the beginning of the film. Uh, every other Hulk Hogan movie is, you know, trash. Well, yeah. If it's a Hulk Hogan vehicle and he's the main character, no, it's just terrible. Yeah. So th- they're not wrong, but I don't want them stepping to the artistic and acting capabilities of one Mr. Terry Balea. The dude re- ruled the ring all the way through the late 80s and early 90s. Yeah, and the thing is, they're way more willing to dig on him for some reason than a lot of other action yeah, stuff. There's a lot of respect in this book being paid, paid to Steven Seagal. Yeah, which, woo, baby, that is some... Some hot, hot garbage. I mean, which movie would you rather... Oh, let's say if both of them made a movie t- next week, would you rather watch the Hulk Hogan movie that was made this year or the Steven Seagal movie that was made this year? I mean, definitely the Hulk Hogan movie made this year because I would be interested in it, whereas the Steven Seagal movie, I'd be like, ah, yes, another Steven Seagal movie. Ah, yes, his yearly movie. Each year, he puts on his orange sunglasses, gets a little puffier, and defends Russia more. <laughs> Uh, I don't, I can't understand why they are, well, I can, because this is like a late 90s book before it got heavy into how shitty Steven Seagal is. If, like, this book was written the day after Under Siege was made, (laughs) I'd be like, yeah, okay, fine, fair enough. He's kind of neat in that movie because he's got lots of knives and guns and stuff. But if it was written after, say, On Deadly Ground, then, (laughs) then no, no excuses. 
Yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> so anyway, when we say that this movie brings or this book wants to rip into Hulk Hogan, it does that before it even gets to the list of action stars and what their opinions are of them. It's like, uh, did you know that there's a star named Terry Balea and that he made a bunch of terrible movies? Don't make movies like Terry Balea. How did he even get to make movies? Well, I'll tell you, RPG author, he did it by being the king of the ring. <laughs> yeah, he did it the same way every single wrestler who turns into an actor did it, by being a badass in the ring. Yeah. Now, not everyone can be Dwayne The Rock Johnson. To this point, no one has been Dwayne The Rock Johnson except for Dwayne The Rock Johnson. The closest any other wrestler has come to being entertaining in, in a movie is probably Andre the Giant. I was about to say, that's about as close as we get to someone doing well. But that's really just the punch-drunk love of Andre the Giant's career. <laughs> you know, you get one one really, really good director who, instead of trying to figure out how to make Adam Sandler stop being a dumb shit, just makes a movie where a dumb shit is the character the movie needs. Yeah. That's that's what Princess Bride is. What we need in this movie is a giant guy with a terrible French accent. Okay. Oh, sorry, an amazing French accent and a terrible speech impediment. Yes. Uh, and uh, and we'll just put him, that's what the movie requires, and here is that guy. And here he is. <laughs> we have made an Andre the Giant-shaped hole in this movie, and we will fill it with him. <laughs> Before he fills it with his giant toilet-clogging shits. <laughs> Before he fills it with all of the alcohol he needs to consume in order to be even a little bit drunk. <laughs> So, and meanwhile, Mandy Patinkin is an amazing actor and can just dance around in circles and fits right in next to that giant monster that's in the center of the film. Yeah. Yeah. It, it all makes sense. That's so. It, it's so, all great. It's just those two, though. I mean, any given John Cena movie. Yeah, can go take a running jump. John Cena has a whole filmography now of movies where he pretends to be a Marine because dumb people in the in America think he was a Marine. Yeah, just because of his dumb... Haircut. Uh, his haircut and his persona in the ring. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, he... He served this country proudly. No, no, he did not. No, no he was a wrestler the whole time. There, he was he was not a Marine at any point. You guys need to stop doing this. Like, I mean, at least Kurt Angle actually did wrestle. Yeah. What's I mean, I don't understand what it is with, like, say, law enforcement and military agencies that, like, for some reason valorize the most the worst possible. Like, like the, the, uh, the Marines all love John Cena. The police all love the Punisher? <laughs> what, what's going on with that? The Punisher is not a good role model for the police. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, it's not a good role model for them, but it's the one they follow anyway. It's, it's the one they're taking, that's for sure. <laughs> hey, Sailor Moon says, the police are not your friend. <laughs> so, okay, we should probably talk about how the game works. Uh, I mean, granted, the book takes a long time to getting around to that. It really wants you to know what their the author's feelings on uh, action movies are. They should be a big, dumb slugger who punches his way through hordes of foes until he gets to do it with twins. Uh, or, or, you know, a badass lethal art ma martial arts master masters martial arts all the way across a bunch of people's faces. Yeah, it's it's got a lot of uh, ways in which it's like, look, you can do your action hero in any different style of action movie, mm -hmm. but just it has to be over the top. It has to be completely over the top. You have to be top. from the movie over the top. <laughs> you have to do the... It's all about arm wrestling. <laughs> look, 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 folks, we didn't get to this sooner, but yeah, the, it's actually an arm wrestling RPG. <laughs> it's all just over the top, the RPG. Here's it's finally the licensed <laughs> RPG we've been waiting for. Everyone always asks, hey, if you could make a licensed RPG, what would you do? People think, Harry Potter? Oh, good... Good God, no. Mm -hmm. It's over the top. Not for me, man. That's not even my number one Sylvester Stallone RPG. I want Rhinestone Cowboy. If I could get the Cliffhanger just Rhinestone, RPG, excuse me. Just that Rhin would be great. Yeah, you get Cliffhanger where you, you know you, you play a giant muscle man who gets into a fight with friggin' uh, 
John Lithgow. Yeah. And, and somehow it lasts a long time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Or you can go with me, where it's a, it's an RPG where you have to learn to be a country western singer through only the tutelage of one Miss Dolly Parton, and the movie's called Rhinestone, and it's the best Sylvester Stallone movie. <laughs> <laughs> or the third one, where every character has to do all of the adventures with their mom. Yeah. Yeah. Or she'll shoot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, your only stats are stop or mom. <laughs> I've got a hack of lasers and feelings. It's a lasers and feelings hack. It's stop or mom will shoot. Yeah, those are your two. Stop or mom will shoot. <laughs> okay. So this game also only has two stats. Yes, they go into the whole like, oh, we, we tried to think of what stats that other games have that we'd want and, you know... An action hero isn't defined by his strength, even though so many have big muscles, and it's not defined by how dexterous you are, and even though we considered it, it's not even defined by how charismatic you are. It's defined by your guts. Yeah, it's your guts, your willingness to go the extra mile to get that shot, to make it look good. <laughs> what What are we What are we doing? Some sort of, uh, like, double... Double trouble? What was that? What that was the basketball one, right? Yeah, that's the that's no, the one that's, with fucking that, that's double team. Oh, that's double team. Yeah, I think double trouble is one of those parent trap type movies. Um, probably. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Haley Joel and Haley Joel. Jean Claude Van Damme and Dennis Rodman are the parent trap <laughs> cousins, identical cousins, as you'll find. <laughs> They're so alike in every way. They walk alike. They talk alike. <laughs> Sometimes they even dunk alike. <laughs> so, oh my god, I want this movie now. God damn it! Oh, I want them to switch brains. I want it. To, I want them to star in a Freaky Friday. <laughs> I want that that Freaky Friday. I want that uh, like father like son, but with those two. Dennis Rodman is a lawyer who turns into the Shaggy Professor. <laughs> Oh, man. Let's just keep remaking Disney movies with Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> oh, man. I want Flubber with Dennis Rodman right now. Dennis Rodman and the little Jean-Claude Van Damme peoples. <laughs> uh, so the the only other stat in this game is coincidence. And that is your, I was falling out of a uh, like fifth story and I fell into a garbage truck. Or, you know, there's always... Like, some coincidence happens. Someone's moving a uh, cart of vegetables when you're mm -hmm. driving, and you've got a way to jump over it, and the enemies hit into it. Yeah. Just, it's it's things that help you, and it's just that action movie coincidence. And so those are numbers that range from, I believe, one to six, and they represent the number of dice you get to roll in certain situations. Although, as you'll find, the number of dice you roll for things fluctuates pretty wildly in this book. Yeah. The uh, guts is pretty much what you roll for everything, and coincidence is specifically you have to ask for something to happen. It yes. is a, I dictate how this scene goes, and I roll to see if it happens. Right. So, now, the way to construct a character in this game is that there is an archetype and there is a role. Uh, yeah. So, the two of those are basically the types of things you use to make up a character. So, the archetype is things like... Uh, it's it's your descriptors. It's descriptors, so you're like, yeah. Bumbling. I'm, I'm grim, or I'm suave. Yeah, uh, acrobatic. Yeah, so it's, okay, how do you handle things? Like, the way in which you act. Yeah. And then you've got your designator, which is what you actually are sort of job-wise. So, cop, soldier, 
Uh, you can get that common champ in case you want to just be a guy that's thrust into the middle of stuff. Yeah, like your last action hero or whatever. Or is he a cop or something? No, he's a cop. Uh, okay. I mean, you would get, say, uh, like Jack Burton. Oh, okay, yeah, that, that works just fine. There's, I mean, you can think of several examples of characters who should not be thrust into action movies but end up being the main character in them. So Yeah. Uh, also, one of the things you can play is sidekick. So that's another way you can have a normal... Like, if you wanted to do a Judge Dredd movie, for example, it wouldn't be a big deal to, pl- to run... Uh, was a Rob Schneider is a bumbling sidekick, and they have you know like academic is one of them, but yeah. even that is like you're going to be playing something like Harrison Ford in all of those like Jack yeah, Reacher pay- films or whatever. <laughs> Jack, <Reacher>. Jack Ryan, <laughs> Gee, nah, yeah, you're playing J- Jack Reacher. Harrison Ford must beat up. Oh God, who is it? It's the it's the Tom cool- Cruise. No, 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 it's Tom Cruise is Jack Reacher, but the bad guy in the first Jack Reacher was that German director everyone loves. Oh, uh, Hans and Franz. Yes, it was Hans and Franz. He must have beat up Hans and Franz. Ernevertag. <laughs> and all they want to do is pump. You up. <laughs> yeah, it's where Werner Herzog's one of his very few acting roles is that he's the bad guy in Jack Reacher. There you go. <laughs> so uh Anyway, you combine those two, and this is sort of a neat system, because you choose both. You don't have to roll anything here. And each of them gives you a guts number and a coincidence number, and then values for a variety of shticks, which we'll explain in just a moment. Yeah, you get uh, a combined whatever it is, so if one of them's like, oh, you're bumbling, so you're one in guts, but you're four in coincidence, and then you'll combine it with whatever type of bumbling you are. Yeah, so you make a bumbling cop, for example. And And you're Leslie Nielsen. Sure, yeah. So you end up with like, yeah, you're... (laughs) You are. You're definitely. You're a police squad. You're Frank yeah. Drebin. You are 100% Frank Drebin at that yeah. point. So, but a uh, couple, for example, give you a three in guts and maybe a two in coincidence. You add them both together. So most characters end up with fairly average stats. Yeah. Um, because, you know, the, a lot of these classes have very average stats. It's rare to see one that actually has a one in anything outside of bumbling. Uh, and you also add together everything about the shticks. Uh, you just take them all. Now, there so, are a. Fuck ton. ton of these. Yeah, th- these are. I mean, if if you want to go all the way back and listen to like episode two or whatever, because back when we did tales from the floating vagabond, that's that's what these are like. But it's interesting because they are all action movie things, like movie things. Mm-hmm. But you are playing a character that isn't in a movie, but is basically like in a movie universe. Yes. Yeah. You're. It's. But you're. you're at the end of any like, given scene, no one yells cut. Yeah. But you're. Uh, your sticks are things like you have cue cards, ADR, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. zoom, so the, dramatic the, close-ups. Uh, the, oh, two uh, sh- slow mo, two shots is one of them where you can be pulled into a, a specific scene with someone else and force them to only fight you for a while because they're not in the same scene as anyone else anymore. Yeah, you've got uh, fucking product endorsement, director favoritism, where where you get just better sh- or, or you win ties. Yeah, it's preferential treatment. Yeah, and it's you're the favorite, so normally on a tie. Nothing happens, but on a tie, you win because you have preferential treatment. Yeah, and all of them also give you a number of you know uh, non-rule side effects. So preferential treatment, for example, is like, oh, also the the uh, the director might introduce more love interests for you and things like that. Uh, all of them do that as well. So they all kind of are, I guess I want to say, uh, RP, they're, they're role-play supporting in addition to actually being new rules that you can use. Well, yeah, because a lot of it is like uh, stuff where... There's a difficulty level for what you do, because everything you do, you have to describe, mm-hmm. and if it's boring, you get a penalty, and if it's rad, you might get a bonus. That is kind of the, the downside of there's, uh, of the two but, things I would say that are negative about the book. But the uh, the big thing with these are a lot of the like shtick things you can do are 
bump up whatever it was. So it would be like, oh, I was on a yawn category, but then I used my catchphrase and it bumps it up to a good. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter if the scene wasn't amazing. I said, I'll be back. And so people loved it anyway. <laughs> I love the idea that, that I'll be back was literally his catchphrase. And How many movies do you think he said that in at this point? Oh, shit fuck ton. <laughs> <laughs> but at a certain point, it becomes ironic appreciation. There's, there, there, I don't think there's another Terminator 2 where, where he says, I'll be back in dead seriousness. <laughs> like, you know, imagine him saying that in, in any other movie he's been in. Oh, uh, he, I mean... He does say it in very serious uh, ways, but the movie sort of looks at it as being yeah. funny. Like, imagine if there was a deadly serious moment in fucking True Lies where he was like, I'll be back. And you're I like, mean, there is, but... <laughs> again, again, it's played for laughs. Yeah, like all of his movies. It doesn't matter. In Last Action Hero, there's a point where he says it, and he's like, ah, I bet you didn't think I'd say that. And the kid's like, did you say that in every movie? Oh, okay, good. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> I like I liked the idea of him saying it in True Lies. I'll be back. I have to go to the bathroom and masturbate to my own wife. Yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's pretty much what happens with that. But the nice thing is, it gives you uh, a lot of stuff that then makes you want to roleplay or set the scene better. So if you do do something like uh, like a zoom-in or a dramatic slow-mo, it means you get to then describe how the scene goes using these descriptive elements. Well, let's say that's, that's important in this game because, like John was saying, there's a category-based difficulty system, and the way that it works is it's a boring to exciting scale where the bottom rank is a boo and, and the top rank, I think, is an encore. Encore, yeah. So... And that is entirely subject to the DM's or the director's will. Now, the way that that works is when you do anything in this game, you narrate what you're doing. So if you're like, I'm crossing the street, but the director will be like, but cars are whizzing past like super fast. A little frog tried to make it across and got squashed three times until he did it on his fourth life. (laughs) And so you have to be like, well, then I grab a skateboard and I skate down a mountain and I hit a ramp and I jump over the freeway. And uh, while I'm up there, I flip off an Asian guy. Guy. Oh, thanks, Vin Diesel. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm oh, he glad wouldn't that... flip off an Asian guy. He'd pause mid-flight and be like, hey, thank you for being so Asian. You bring us all together. Your heart is inside, Asian man. And, <laughs> and then he'd finish the flight. <laughs> so, but, uh, and then the, the uh, director's like, oh, well, I guess that's pretty cool. You get a uh, hooray or whatever. Yeah. And it's supposed to be, the scale is essentially the, what is the audience thinking when they see this? So, again, it's one of those things where even though you are not playing an actor in a movie, everything is based on a movie idea. Exactly. So, uh, the director has to be like, okay, have you been doing the same description for stuff? Like, do you handle your action scenes the exact same way every time? Then the audience is going to get bored of it. So even something that got you an encore before might get you a boo after you've done it 20 times. <laughs> so, for example, if you pause to have a long conversation about how much like Native American spiritualism means to you, <laughs> then your movie's going direct to DVD, Steven Seagal. Knock it the fuck off. <laughs> Our podcast is to Steven Seagal what this book is to Terry Bollea. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I feel more justified. <laughs> Uh, and then there, you, there's no other part of Steven Seagal's career that you can point to and be like that. That's the part that was good. You're there like, you what go. was it the time when he was a fucking fake cop in New Orleans? No, that fucking sucked too. It's all bad. All of it is bad. <laughs> Under siege is bad. Come at me. <laughs> I wasn't about to defend Under Siege unless we're talking about Erica Aleniak's boobs. 
and then I will defend them to the death. <laughs> you hear that, Erica? For you. <laughs> it's all for you. <laughs> so, so the other thing you get, uh, in addition to all the uh, perks and your stats and whatnot, is you get a few NGs, which are no goods, which, God, fucking that is just the worst thing for... <laughs> Oh, yeah, the NGs? I don't know if it's worse than the section called Getting Hit Like a Girly Man. Oh, the entire Like a Manly Man section is bad, but yeah, that's mostly just because of the way it uses the names. Yes. But uh, those are all drawbacks for things like uh, you once per scene, well, not once per scene, once per movie, you've got to get a bad bonk where you get knocked out. Yes. Or you've got things where you get a distraction in your movie where... You know, maybe you're chasing after the bad guys, and then you see someone, like, trying to rob an old lady, and you've got to go stop them from taking her purse. Yeah, you need the Superman disadvantage, where the only reason that Superman doesn't accomplish all of his goals is because there's so many things going on. Yeah. Anytime he's like, all right, I'm finally going to punch you to death, Helgramite, uh, Jeff says, pulling an obscure D- uh, Superman villain. Nah. And, then, and then Lois Lane falls down. He's like, Lois! Oh, oh no! Oh, she might bruise her tuckus. <laughs> tuckus. <laughs> he flies off and rescues her. Yeah. Uh, I think th- some of them I really like for these because uh, one is like pray for miracle. And normally, no matter what you are doing, you just roll guts and see if you do it. Mm-hmm. Pray for miracle is there's something you don't know how to do. Like it's that scene where you get to the melting down nuclear reactor and you're like, I don't know how to stop this. And you have to figure out some way to do it. Yeah. And then what happens is a little kid runs up and she goes, it's a Unix system. I know this. Exactly. Yeah. So that's a pray for a miracle moment. Yeah. And so you've got these things where it's like, oh, there are gaps in your knowledge. Yeah. Or there's ones that are uh, specifically like you can run out of bullets, which you normally can't. Or maybe uh, your car runs out of gas or something. There's. There's some problem that you have to run into because it gives you a complication to play with. Mm-hmm. But something like Bad Bonk where it just knocks you out. Yeah, that one's bad. I'm like, oh, come on. And <laughs> the other one is like slow healing. Yeah. I'm like, oh, come on. Slow healing is a terrible mechanic in general. Yeah, you're just making it worse. Because slow healing is basically telling the players, uh, not one of them, but all of them, you won't start this adventure for an extra week. Because no one's going to be like, we're going tomorrow. Well, he still only has one hit point left. We're going tomorrow. Oh, no, no one's doing that. I mean, it is, because it's a fucking action movie. Yeah, you You're have doing to. It. Yeah. Uh, it's just, instead of, normally you get all of your wounds back at the end of every scene because yeah. you're an action hero star, now it's like, oh no, you you have to delay a scene. So, these wounds you got from a scene before aren't going to come back for another scene. I mean, the big problem with that is that that really shouldn't be that much of a drawback. I mean, shit like that is what makes, say for example, Die Hard a cool action movie. Oh yeah, well it's, all of the the NGs in this are stuff that you're like, no, this is things that happen in action movies. Yeah, like, no, they're fine. They, they do fit. Yeah, there's definitely points where you're like, oh, yeah, you know, your hero gets shot in the arm and then they're all fucked up for at least another scene where they can't shoot. Yeah. And then we go like two more scenes later and they're fine again. It doesn't uh, matter. I'm trying to think of other examples of action movies where wounds are, are continue and actually matter all the way through. And it is tricky to do. Yeah, well, I think Die Hard is one of the ones that is interesting because it takes place in such a small amount of time. It's a bottle episode. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. It's just very confined within that one area. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I think another one where wounds track and matter is Children of Men, which is another one. I don't know if you call it an action movie or not. Yeah. But it's one of my favorite action scenes. So, okay. Uh, those are all the things you need to do to build a character. You have hit points that are equivalent to like your gut score. Yeah. Uh, you have, uh, and then it starts just giving you some additional rules. 
Uh, to do anything, you roll a set number of dice. You get to add dice if your your uh, description is in the yay categories. If it's a normal, you just roll the number of guts dice that you have. If it's a boo, then you can only run one, roll one die. Yeah, so like boos and yawns are bad. Yeah. Regulars are fine, and then you might get bonus for other ones. Uh, the DM will set difficulty based on that same score, that, that same chart. Well, it'll, it'll set difficulty based on uh, what is going on in the scene. So if it's something like the difficulty is I want to uh, like climb up on top of some sort of uh, like car or structure or whatever, something that in an action movie would be just sort of fairly easily done, then it's like, great, this is, I'm going to roll two dice yeah. against whatever dice you roll and you have to beat that. But, but if it's like, what I'm going to do is I got to jump into this helicopter, fly it into that plane jump out with a parachute before it hits, and on my way down, gun down a whole group of dudes below. They're like, great, that di- that's difficulty five because it's a showstopper. It is that, well, that or it's the very beginning of Saints Row 3. Well, yes. I mean, let's talk about how that great that is. That I might- mean, let me just tell you, Saints Row 3 is probably one of my favorite action movies. <laughs> it's absolutely one of my favorite action movies. Saints Row 3 is amazing. <laughs> Look, folks, it's an older game, and Saints Row 4... But it checks out. Yeah, it's an older game, (laughs) sir, but it checks out. I was about to clear it. (laughs) Saints Row 4 is also very, very good, don't get me wrong, but if you get the chance and you haven't played it already, don't worry about how old it is, just go play Saints Row 3. Don't don't worry about having not played the first Saints Row's games. It's fine, you don't need it, just start playing it. Just play Saints Row 3, and from the very beginning where you have to jump out of an airplane into another airplane... (laughs) Into where you're a tank, you're flying down in a tank, shooting at people. Like it is, it is some straight nonsense, and you just start in media res, and that's why it's amazing. And then the very next scene, you jack a helicopter from a military facility, fly it to a penthouse, parachute out of the penthouse, all to no to a uh, uh, power. Yeah. By the way, which awesome song to be doing that too, and then just mow everyone in there down with Uzis. Oh, that game is so good. It is so fucking good. <laughs> So, number one recommendations from all of us. Best action movies are Terminator 2, Aliens, and Saints Row 3, (laughs) the video game. Uh, And one of the things that this is good about for the whole wounds Mm -hmm. is because it's playing off of the movie uh, aspect of it, they're like, oh, it's fine. You can play the same character if you die in this because you'll come back in a different movie. It's fine. (laughs) Or you'll just show up as your twin brother. Yeah, it doesn't matter. (laughs) What's his name in that movie? Remember that in uh, fucking Beer Fest when his his twin brother shows up? I'd appreciate it if y'all just called me dump truck or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, the... (laughs) the Great, that way there'll be no awkward getting to know you, period. Yeah, I I like that because it also has a thing where it recommends they're like oh yeah you can just do if you want to do direct sequels as your adventures like if you want to make your die hard and then your die hard 2 you can do that but you can also do shit where you're like what do you make uh we did one adventure and it was conan and then the next adventure was uh commando yeah and then the next adventure was terminator we're just switching weird genre conventions or or you could easily do the first adventure was indiana jones and so the the uh the second player was that was marion ravenwood or i guess that guy with the biplane (laughs) and then the next one that the other players like i don't want to play uh marion ravenwood again i'll play short round i'm short round i'm short. no sorry you have to be willie scott (laughs) no no you know what no game is better than a bad game (laughs) you know i'm out good day sir i'm gonna go play saints row (laughs) three you will not make me play willie scott (laughs) and you know what's worse this could have been a really good time this could have been our greatest adventure (laughs) 
God, rewatching that recently, I was like, damn, I forgot so much about the weird shit that was in this movie. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, uh, Temple of Doom is probably my favorite Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> that being said, I like it because, again, it's very contained. It's just... Indiana Jones crash lands in India, and now crazy shit happens for about an hour and a half, and then he walks out the other side all tired. The end. <laughs> uh, and uh, so the the way in which combat happens in this, instead of there being a difficulty you roll against, mm-hmm. but combat works differently than your standard rolls because you can take multiple actions. Yes, you can take as many actions as you are willing to reserve dice for. So if you have six dice available after your description, you can make three two-die attacks if you want. Or you can save some dice for defense. Yeah, you can... Well, you have to be like, I'm going to do this thing. I am going to put up three dice as my bid bid for this action and then hold on to whatever I have left. And one of the things you could do, if you get an encore for uh, one of your actions in that it will actually just give you full dice. So you could be like, oh, I spend one dice on doing this action, but because it was so super rad, I get to roll all six for it. Uh, But unless you save dice for defense, you don't really have any defense dice. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, you don't have to worry about it because this game is very much like, if you fight an extra... They you might fucked. be a redneck. I'm sorry. No, they get fucked. You're right. You're right. <laughs> like, you can just go ahead and be like, uh, okay, I'm going to run up to this extra and just punch his face through a wall and he dies. And they're like, yeah, of course he does. Well, that's set dressing. Yeah. I mean, they do get like a die, but it's also fine, according to the game, to just ignore it and let you just mow through them. Yeah. It is all extras roll literally one die for everything. Yeah. That is it. Now, one of the other things that was interesting is that the game, uh, well, we're getting into that section that has the inadvisable names. Yes. Where it's like, well, how do you want to play your game? There's only three kinds of play- people who run around in action movies. Manly men, girly men, and manly girls. Yeah. And I was and- like, man, don't, don't do that. Don't. Don't say manly girls. Just, just, just say rad women. Go because I mean, what, I, I guess Vasquez. Sure, maybe she's a little on the manly side. But I mean, the thing that makes friggin' uh, Ripley so amazing is that she's not. No, <laughs> it's just what what the hell? Book, get your shit together and don't don't say girly men and manly girls. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, under- unless people want you to say that about them, then that's fine. Yeah, I understand why they were doing the whole like manly men, Hans and Franz nonsense. Yeah, but. It just fucking shouldn't have been done. Well, the problem isn't so much that they did it, it's that they belabored it. It's a huge section of the book. So there's yeah, a whole the chapter. The entire combat section is like, hitting like a manly man, taking Take- a hit like a manly man. Taking a hit like a girly man, which is the inadvisable name for the section that's about whether or not you should wear armor. Yes. Now, it says if you wear armor, you do take less damage from attacks, but you are capped on the number of dice you can roll on things because you're not being cool if you're wearing armor. Yeah, it like just straight up lowers how uh, like your level of how cool you can be. Yeah, because it doesn't matter if you look like a super badass if you're wearing a bulletproof vest, then the scene isn't as exciting. Which well, no, you're that's, wrong. That's completely wrong. I mean, the raid he's wearing a bulletproof vest all the way through, and he gets fucked up in that movie <laughs> because it's all knife fights. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of if you are wearing armor or if you take cover, then it isn't rad. And I'm like. Motherfucker, have you seen Dread? Yeah, Dread or or again, City of Men has a, or, or sorry, uh, uh, Child Children of Men 
has all kinds of amazing like cover taking scenes in it. So there's a lot, and also at least the book does throw out a pie into movies where everyone's wearing armor. Like you know, uh, Aliens, for example. It's like if everyone's wearing armor, just treat it as if no one is wearing armor and move forward. Yeah, you'd have to be wearing like super cool armor for it to count as armor. Yeah, and that's that's one of the other things they bring up is they're like, oh, when someone comes out in like super power armor and. They're in like in an indestructible exoskeleton. That's not cool. And I'm like, you Ripley. obviously don't know anything about action movies. No, because that's the coolest scene in most action movies. Yeah, the, the second where the hero's like, "Yo, I've got the badass nonsense armor, and I'm gonna beat the shit out of you," is great, dude. When when Ripley comes out in the power loader, yeah, I mean that is the coolest thing, right? So what? Where are they coming from with this? That should be a total encore moment, a huge bonus. And, and and using the scene correctly when you're like, oh, sweet, I jump into that thing over there and go rampaging around the scene for a couple of minutes. Oh, yeah, and everyone's like, you know who's fucking terrible and a total wimp? Like Master Chief, Samus, any one of them, total <laughs> wimps. When Mega Man gets his cool armor, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it is a weird thing line to draw I mean, for them. I, I understand why. Because they're not... They're t- Here's the thing. Every action hero that they have ever thought of is wearing a tank top. Yes. That's, that's, that's why I was like, this is very 70s, 80s yeah. influence. Because it is all just guys in, like, jeans and a tank top with a giant machine gun or possibly just Jackie Chan running around kicking people in the face. Yeah. And that's it. The, in, this, in the universe that they're trying to put forward... Uh, it, it would it would imply that Denise Richards is way more badass than Casper Van Dien in Starship Troopers. <laughs> Which, L- look me in the eye. <laughs> you try and tell me which one's more badass, that pilot dude who gets his brain sucked out by the brain bug, or Jake Busey, who plays an electronic future violin. God damn it. That scene ruined my RPG camba- campaign's Forever, because I would straight be like, "All right," and my character has a couple dots in playing instrument, and it's a fucking electric fiddle. Because fuck you, that's rad. <laughs> also, neon green football. Because why not? Hey, whatever. <laughs> so, so uh, I think this book probably came out right before Starship Troopers, because otherwise, I feel like it would have gotten a mention. <laughs> yeah, it it feels very, very of its time for the action movies that it wants to do. It's like, nah, man, we're watching old VHS copies of movies. No, yeah, every every movie in this is either three words or two words, so you can tell whether it's, uh, you know, Jean Claude Van Damme or Sylvester Stallone yeah. or Steven Seagal, rather. So you have, you know, if it's if it's uh, Sylv- if it's Steven Seagal, it's hard to kill. If it's uh, Jean Claude Van Damme, it's hard target, <laughs> hard target to kill. <laughs> Hard target, hard target, hard. <laughs> when it's time to target, we will target hard. You know the best thing about hard target is that the uh, the secondary hero in it is Wilford Brimley. <laughs> That's great. I'm on board. Yeah, he was, sh- he's amazing. You should check it out because he plays a crazy old French coot in in uh, New Orleans who blows people up constantly and is all like, "Oh, oh, oh I'm Wilford Brimley. <laughs> I sure I am diabetes. <laughs> I I sure am diabetes." <laughs> Just, just check it out. See what you see, and, and please, folks. I'm sure I've got the wrong movie. In which case, do let me know. <laughs> uh, one of the other super interesting things that the book does is your guts will probably start out around five or six ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, villains will usually have like a nine or ten in guts, and the uh, the way the story is is you cannot do a final boss fight until someone has the same level of guts as the villain. And you get, anytime you do something 
super awesome, you get a point of guts. Yeah. So if you're in a scene and it's like something has to either happen to you or like make it so that you are more enraged. So it's like, oh, uh, the villain kidnaps your wife. All right, I get a point of guts after that scene. Right. Stuff like that. And then as soon as someone gets up to that level of guts, you can have the final showdown. Mm -hmm. Because you can fight him beforehand, but he will invariably have a way of getting away. Yes, he'll automatically escape. Which is fine, because that's perfectly functional in a movie. It'd be fine for the DM to throw him at you, because again, that makes sense in an action movie. Yeah. You have to have that scene in the beginning where you get humiliated by the villain, so you know that you really want to kill him. Exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, It's a great mechanic, and it also lets you know the timeline of how long this is going to be because as soon as someone hits like, all right, guys, I hit nine guts. I'm ready to fucking go. Then you're like, great, let's wrap this shit up and then we can get to the next movie. (laughs) All right, so the book kind of wraps up by giving you a long description of action movies you should check out, but also action stars you should check out, which I found kind of interesting. It's It's a big area. Uh, it looks like you're turning to something, though. What do you want to talk about? Huh? Oh, there's there's a lot of little goofity things in this as far as, like, uh, if you want to set up a scene, you have to, like, map it out. Oh, that's right. There's a whole section that's like a, a flow chart because uh, the the game is done, obviously. It's not going to use miniatures. It's it's a, a very theater of the mindy game, but you should draw a map, and the map is just scenes. It's where scenes would take place. Yeah, you're like, okay, look, you come to this giant ironworks, yeah. and... I have a flow chart, and it's something like entrance to Ironworks, the uh, the floor level, the office, up above a boiling pit of steel. Like there are just things you write down. Yeah, and, and it's then as you are fighting, you will just like roll into these different areas. Yes, you should just be constantly either fighting or running, or I guess uh, having steamy sex scenes your way across a huge. Uh, yeah, I'm ju- <laughs> I am just fucking crank toing this shit. Why not? Crank is an awesome action movie. It is true. <laughs> I wish this was written in the time of Crank. Love in the time of Crank is one of my favorite books. Oh, man. Love in the time of Crank is when you're doing it and a horse dick goes flying by over your head. (laughs) God, I love those fucking movies. Oh, my God. That's the only time I've ever liked Bai Ling. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, yeah. So you've you've got that. You've also... They have a few recommendations on ways you can tweak your game. Yes, yeah. So for example, you, you, you could play it as actors in an actual movie. Like, after the fight scene, cut. You, you hear cut, and you stop. And you also play, like, trying to raise popularity with your crowd and going to the Oscars and junk, uh, and negotiating with, with yeah. your agents. And, because yeah. the, the last thing that we haven't really talked about is popularity, which is your yeah. XP, basically. Yeah, well, you can use it to buy shticks and what have you. So it it's, does kind of work well, as it's, a, Every level you get a thing. Yeah. So your popularity is how much the audience is like you. Yeah. And if you're playing as like actual actors, you can increase it not just by what you do in game, but like, oh, I go on a talk show and it increases my popularity. But the the game is just anytime you roll anything, write down the number you rolled because Every role goes into your popularity. Now, do you think it should always raise your popularity? Like, what if your character went on a talk show and had, like, a angry, defensive Harvey Weinstein? <laughs> he was always perfectly nice to me. Well, I mean, it's going to raise your popularity with someone. <laughs> oh, man, I'm really scoring in the gross old men demographic. <laughs> Same. Ew. Oh, John is cruising. <laughs> I am cruising for an old man bruising. Now, cruising is a terrible action movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that Gwyneth Paltrow cruising. 
Gwyneth Paltrow's in Cruisin'? I don't know. Cruisin's a movie about the gay scene in the 70s. <laughs> Man, I wish. I wish Gwyneth Paltrow was in that. <laughs> I mean, it would be it would be fun. No, she's in duets or whatever with... Uh... What's a real Gwyneth Paltrow action movie? Gwyneth Paltrow action movie? I mean, it's Iron Man 3, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I was going to say, well, it's Iron Man 3. <laughs> yeah, okay. I was trying to think if there's another one where she gets you in know, fights. You know, that or uh, Civil War Not is the best really. Iron Man movie. I was just, just about to say, okay, so Iron like Man 3, where she, where she gets in a cool Iron fight because she has superpowers called Iron Man. Yeah, yeah. All right. I mean, so I really like you know the what? first that's Iron Man scene. Mm-hmm. Also, let me just say, Iron Man 3 is not my favorite of the... He is great in that. Honestly, I think Iron Man is the best Iron Man movie. He's kind of on the wrong side of history, and he should just be nicer to Peter. All that shit wouldn't have happened if he had, like... You know, been like, hey, Peter, please do not go after the vulture. I've got guys doing that. Yeah, he doesn't communicate as much, but it's very clear that he is actually keeping tabs. He's not like, ah, fuck this kid. He's like, no, I know about the lady who bought you a churro. I know about the fact that you tried to go after this guy. Yeah. I have been keeping tabs on you this whole time. Yeah, but you know what? It's it. Here's the thing. Eventually, you stop believing in Santa Claus because Santa Claus never picks up the fucking phone. <laughs> so... Tony, if you don't want him to cause a huge incident, tell him not to do things and why. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. I'm just saying is all. Homecoming, good movie. What I'm saying is it fits perfectly because that is him. Like, Tony Stark is very much the, well, I was busy. Tony Stark has pretty much been the problem in all of the Avengers movies. Yeah. It's always Tony's fault. Everything in in Spider-Man and Avengers 2, Tony's fault. Civil War, Tony's fault. Yeah. Actually, I don't... It's all Tony. I don't well, know if Civil War is Tony's fault. <laughs> Civil War is all bad plot. <laughs> no, Civil War is an amazing plot. It just has a little bit of controversy to get it going, it ha- and then it's rad. The worst plot because of Zemo. Zemo who's like, oh, I know. My plot is that coincidence will happen. Uh, yeah, I mean, he does very carefully play off who to tell what to who. The one plan there's coincidence is when all of them show up at his cool secret Arctic base. And it's the only way his plan works. Otherwise, it's just, oh, I guess they were kind of angry, but now it doesn't matter. Well, no, because it wouldn't have mattered. If they hadn't shown up at his secret Arctic base, it would be because uh, he ha- or uh, Captain America had been put into the prison like he was supposed to be. <laughs> anyway, moving on. He was already in the win condition, is all I'm saying. I like <laughs> I like Civil War, damn it. Oh, I love Civil War. I just think Zemo is an awful villain because Marvel is very bad at making good villains. That's fair enough. I do like that Zemo's still alive. I've been I have spent, and I don't know why we're so off track right now, but I have spent the past couple of days researching which Marvel villains are still alive to see if you can line them up to Thunderbolts. <laughs> and Zemo, yes, you out because he's fucking Citizen V. So you've got Zemo. I mean, I don't know how they're gonna turn the that version of of Zemo, it's going to have to be some kind of magic. No, because Zemo's just a, a sad a, a, guy. A freaking guy. He needs powers from some... Wait, Zemo doesn't have powers. He just has sorcery. <laughs> yeah, he's just a human. He doesn't have any powers. Yeah, yeah he's human. He's Krillin. He doesn't have any powers. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I mean, here's the other villains that are still alive. Loki, at least a little bit. I'm pretty sure... I don't think he makes it through Avengers 3. I'm being honest here. Um, Abomination is still alive. I mean, technically. He's like the first villain that's still alive. So you've got, okay, you've got Baron Zemo, so you've got Citizen V. Another villain who is still alive, Justin Hammer. That gives you that guy, that the, either the guy in the beetle suit or the builder guy, Fixer or whatever he was called, the original Thunderbolts. Uh-huh. You need a lady villain, which I don't think there are any that are still alive, so I assume we just get one from the Captain Marvel movie. We just get one. Yeah. So I, I think, in my view, it's starting to come together. I think we have a Thunderbolts movie. Anyway, <laughs> so this book, John. This book, which... <laughs> 
<laughs> states outright that there will never be a Thunderbolts movie. <laughs> this this extreme vengeance movie from 1996, before the Thunderbolts, I think. Yes, <laughs> it's like straight up has a little side in the back where it says, "Hey Jeff, there's never going to be a Thunderbolts movie. Look, Fucking give it up." Sometime in the late 90s, early 2000s, they're going to do a, a book about a bunch of reformed villains that become heroes, but it's all a trick. They're actually still secretly villains. Uh, <laughs> that is going to be called Thunderbolts for no good reason, and it's going to star Baron Zemo, a villain that everyone thinks is supposed to be a big reveal that that's who he is, but no one's heard of him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway. Anyway. John, what would you say is your favorite thing about Extreme Vengeance? Uh, I really like a lot of stuff in Extreme Vengeance. I'll be honest. I think there's a lot of interesting things they do. Yeah, the book's only like 50 pages long, too, so they did a great job getting it all into a small space. Yeah, it is a super thin book that doesn't waste a lot of time. And it doesn't It doesn't waste a lot of available margins, either. It is... <laughs> <laughs> this, is a, this is a fifth grader's book report, is what this is. Oh, yeah, this is like... Two-inch thick margins. It's technically 78 pages or something, yeah. but it's really like 50... <laughs> Yeah, because a lot there's a lot of margins. There's a lot of double space. There's one par- there's one whole paragraph that's just uh, action movies are very 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 interesting. Webster's Dictionary describes or defines action movies as yeah, like this. This does a lot to try and stretch its page count out. It's padded. There's a huge bibliography. So. Uh, for me, probably my favorite thing in this is "Forward" by George Will. Oh God, if I got, if I have to pick, I'm gonna have to say it's the in uh, inside of this book. The fact that it's like by its nature episodic, mm-hmm. that it's like, look, you're gonna be playing as some guy that gets typecast as things. So your character is say, an acrobatic agent. Mm-hmm. And you're like, great, I'm a cool super spy that kicks a lot of ass. Yeah. All right, great, I'm Steven Seagal or whatever. You're, a, well, you're probably more of a Jackie Chan or a Donnie Yen. Or, yeah. Yeah, Steven but, Seagal ain't acrobatic. Let's, let's well, be fair. Well, not anymore. No, let's, <laughs> no. <laughs> let's go ahead and put that right out there. Uh, but at that point, it's like, yeah, you know, you'll have the same character even though your movie might be wildly different from like session to session Mm -hmm. but you're still being typecast as that thing but within it it also says sometimes you can just at the end of a movie change your typecast yeah because you know sometimes you're jackie chan and you're like what are you oh i'm a bumbling common guy i am way too tired to keep playing super martial artists who fight with ladders and aquariums i need to do a few movies where i'm a christmas dad i'm jackie chan yeah and it's it is basically like look sometimes you switch from being like just the super pumped up, like, strong guy who's a cop and you want to change. You're like, look, for this role, I've decided I'm going to go comedic. I'm doing, like, a bumbling common champ. I'm twins. <laughs> I am 100% twins. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's the great thing is they're like, there are so many points where you can look at someone's career and go, yeah, man, sometimes they just want to go, no, nah, I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> it's not a tumor. I mean, it's a fine movie for Arnold. But Arnold was quite prolific at switching back and forth between action and comedy. You don't see that so much with a lot of... I mean, it's not you like only the, see it in The Rock, who is our generation's Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he's the best. Yeah, no, I've got... The Rock is amazing, you're right, you do see it with him. But it's not like... Until JCVD, there was not a comedic Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's ever going to be a, a comedic Steven Seagal movie. 
Uh, no. Now he there is, takes himself too no, seriously. He is quite good at comedy. Uh, again, I I, I want to give him back his uh, his option on the acrobatic title because I I I'm, in fairness I forgot his Russian dancing. <laughs> So good. It's so good. <laughs> if you haven't seen that before, go look up Steven Seagal Russian dancing and just, you know, enjoy. Yeah. So I'm going to I'm going to say the way that it uses the episodic nature to like you can jump between movies, you can do sequels. Uh the action movie conceit for the episodic nature is great. That's my favorite thing in it. Great. And for you, best thing in the book. I like character creation in this book. It's simple, it's effective, and it's quick. Uh, and it, it's it's nice to see the way that it all. Co- I don't. Our our bonus episode is going to be like ten minutes long because it's going to be all right. So I I picked these two things and it gave me smash this. Smash them together and I'm done. But the thing is, it does result in an archetype that you can easily come up. I mean, if I'm just sitting here spouting them off to John, each one I do, he's going to be able to tell me what character that is. Oh yeah, there's every single combination in there. You're like, oh yeah, that's this character from this movie. So, so watch this, John. John, suave soldier. Oh, suave soldier. That's me. <laughs> No, <laughs> a suave soldier is Goose in Top Gun. <laughs> That's not Goose. <laughs> Iceman in Top Gun. Yes. Everyone in Top Gun. <laughs> it is Top Gun. Let's the movie go, Top Gun let's, is a suave soldier. Let's go watch Top Gun. <laughs> in fact, fuck this. We're watching <laughs> Top Gun now. This is the Top Gun podcast. <laughs> Welcome to the Top Gun podcast. Look, we're on the episode 14 where we were only discussing the volleyball scene. <laughs> Look, Welcome to the Top Cast. Let, <laughs> the Top Cast. Oh, the Top Gast. <laughs> Only Top Gun, only the volleyball scene. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> John, this is our third episode where we're joined by guest voice uh, Kenny Loggins to discuss his hit song, Playin' With The Boys, <laughs> which is the song that plays over the famous volleyball scene in Top Gun. Oh, God. <laughs> the, the, the song that tells you, oh yeah, this is exactly as gay as it looks. <laughs> Don't you worry. They know. <laughs> the lyrics to the song, of course, famously include, playin', stayin' with the boys. Yep. So, again, Top Gun. There you go. We're done. All right. My favorite thing, like I was saying, is character creation. Yeah. I like the functionality of it. I like how simple it is. Uh, I like that it does give you an idea of what your character should look like and that it's very evocative. That when you're playing through it, you're like, bumbling cop, Frank Drebin. Uh, Bumbling everyman. Uh, I don't know, Rob Schneider's character in Judge Dredd. Uh, Bumbling soldier. Uh, Let's think for a second. We can do this. Who's a bumbling soldier? It's Goose in Top Gun. (laughs) It's Goose in Top Gun. Come on, man. You know how ejector seats work. Just don't die. Jesus, come on. Get it together. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) John, your least favorite thing? Uh, Least favorite thing in this. I'm (laughs) going to leave you your least favorite thing. We'll see if you know what it is or not. Uh, Which is definitely going to be the tone of it. No. Like the actual writing. Well, okay. I was going to mention that as an aside, but it's not... Well, let's let's hear your least favorite thing and see whether or not I need to address the one that is my actual least favorite thing. Fire away. Okay. Uh, my least favorite thing in this is just a few things that it gets wrong about action movies. Mm-hmm. Mostly the armor, the taking cover, all of that is such an integral part of action movies. Like all of the scenes where it's I'm hiding behind a pillar while people shoot at me, like that's not boring. That's what makes it be tense is because they're sitting there while bullets are flying around them taking cover like you can't just say oh everyone in the audience is going to be bored to tears by you not getting shot i'm like no fuck you yeah imagine if uh you know predator is a great example of people hiding behind trees that gives it a really tense feel yeah the like every single action movie has that scene where like 
they are outgunned and they have to like hide behind a thing and think about what they're going to do. Or even the tension relief you get from those scenes where someone like switch, you know, they, they pull up to the pillar and it, like uh, Matrix, for example, yes. has the scene where they they hide behind the pillars while the, the pillars are being eroded around them by endless machine gun fire, and they take the second to reload their guns and, and steady themselves before they matrix up the walls. Oh yeah. And I mean, all of those scenes where it's like you kick over a table and get behind it, and then you can have a few quips with the person next to you before yeah, you jump up. A little banter. Those cover scenes are integral. They're really important, and they're really good. Yes, and that is probably my least favorite thing in here is that it just it doesn't quite understand why things like that well, are it, as important as I, they I are. I think it buys into its own nature as a parody too much. Yeah. Where you, you hit the point where it's like every movie is a fucking Barbarian Brothers movie where it's like, okay, so there's a bunch of guys with guns. I snug over there with my huge biceps and bicep them into biceps. It's like, okay, but don't you want to play any other kind of action movie? N no. <laughs> no, that's fine. I am okay with this. Yeah, like no, very few action movies are that. I am just going to play the, I run up to a guy and punch him, there is no such thing as cover or armor. Yeah. Th those action movies exist, but they're not fun. The mo like, uh, those, that's like my least favorite thing in anime, is the bulletproof character and the endless bullets pouring into them thing. Yeah. But that's not my least favorite thing in this book. And my least favorite thing in this book, I'll talk about tone later, because you're right. Mm -hmm. uh, it's that the book has the exact same problem that Exalted often suffers from, which is that because you're you're playing to the DM to try and get extra dice, the game's going to end up taking too long. Which is weird, because it's an action movie and it should be clipping along, but every time you're like, alright, so, what do you want to do? Well, I want to get across this room. Okay, well, that's a boo description, so... Alright, fine. I uh, take a running jump, and then with a nacreous trail of super sheen behind me, I do a triple flip through the air and kick a pigeon that was passing by, use it to jump towards a helicopter that's in the room somehow, swing three times around the helicopter, fly past a bunch of nuns and all their shirts fall off and I can see their tits, and then I, it's like, okay, I get it. The, the problem is that games need to not have a, a penalty marker for not being descriptive so that A, players who aren't especially comfortable with it can still play the game, and B, the game can move the fuck along. Yeah, I mean, the one thing in this is most of the scenes you are in are going to get taken care of pretty quickly. That is true. Because it's like, what do you have? Uh, we've got like six extras with guns. Oh, great. We are going to dispatch them so quickly that the fact that everyone has to describe what they're doing, while it will slow down that particular combat, isn't going to be like, the majority of your time. Now, now, to be fair, we've had this exact same conversation a bunch of times before where, where, I mean, we point out that the combat can be resolved quickly whether or not people are being super descriptive, and then I bring up that there is a subclass of players, myself among them, who cannot leave dice on the table. <laughs> that if you're like, hey, it's possible to roll five dice here, but you'll do fine if you roll two, I hear that as, you have to roll five dice. Well, no, for me, it's, you can have five dice, and everyone can be super descriptive, but you're only rolling five times, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, but after that, that I mean, that, I'm going to leave that as my pet peeve, but I will say that this book is, you know, about 50 pages worth of material, and it is relentless with the, with the jokes about action movies. It is just never-ending. Yeah, I mean, we've we said it in the intro, we've said it in any comedy book we've reviewed, just the constant never-dropping character in the way you describe things. Mm -hmm. I'm like, when you are telling me how to roll dice... Don't do it in the voice of the comedy narrator who wants to be a badass action guy. Basically, because I had to read the how to fight a dude section three times before I realized how dice worked. Yes, that is true. Basically, I, here's my advice to anyone who wants to write a comedy RPG. Go back through and read it, and any joke that's not above a six, <laughs> take it out and replace it with plain text. 
Save it for sevens and above because those are the funny ones. And if you go read through it, you see the same joke twice. Take the second joke out. It's, yeah. it, it, I mean, your book can still be funny if you stick to a couple of really funny things. Think quality over quantity. That's all I'm saying about comedic RPGs. There is an entire three-paragraph thing, which is just, I'm fuck it, I'm going to read it. I don't care. Yeah, fire away. Will all faint of heart please leave the premise? It's the, the premise? All right. Yeah, not the premises. I, I have the premise. I have evacuated your dumb premise. Continue. Yep. It's tea time for you folks. Trust us. You girly men scoot along too. Manly girls can stay. Girly men go. Now that the coast is clear, we'll go straight to fighting with a capital F. Big budget blow em up style and find out just how much a good old piece of American hardware can do in the right hands. Rocket launchers? Check. Submachine guns? Check. Check. Brass knuckles? Check. <laughs> Murder? Check. <laughs> Mermaider, mermaid. Whoops, sorry. We accidentally went to Mermaider. <laughs> One wholesale slaughter, extra body count coming up. It's just the fucking thing goes on and on like that. Yeah. That entire three paragraph section served no purpose. Yeah. It, it does, does nothing. It does nothing. And and here's the thing that's most of the book. Yes. Like most of the book is just more and more and more of that. So, I mean, I, I very rarely address direct instructions to authors, but if you do want to write a funny book, I'm serious. Go through, evaluate your own jokes. If there are six or less, replace them with plain text. You're not doing yourself a favor by leaving them in there. Yeah, not every single page has to have shtick. It's fine. You can establish tone in like opening intro paragraphs, when you narrate the intro to something, but as soon as you get time to tell me how to play your game, just to tell me how to play your game. It's that simple. I mean, we've, the few RPGs that have done that, I've loved. I love jokes that uh, RPGs that have a couple of really good gags in there. Yeah. But the ones that are like, just, this is the whole book, just get used to it, it'll never stop, like fucking whole. Just, oh, yeah. Just, no, no, thank you. No, there's a point where you're reading it where you just kind of tone everything out, and you're like, I don't, I don't care Oh, anymore. God, is there a rule on this page? Okay, skip. Yeah, you just start scanning to see if anything here matters. Yeah, so, all right. So there you go. Those are the our favorites and least favorites, plus a little bonus. Yep. Now, John, would you play this game? I would play the fuck out of this game. I, I have to say, this is actually a, a big recommend for me. I love the idea of doing this. It gives you the... That exalted level of I want to describe everything and be very over the top, mm -hmm. but as I was saying, since most scenes aren't going to be more than a few roles, you don't have to worry about it like, alright, we've been fighting this same villain for the past two hours, and every time someone makes a role, we have to start doing up our own monologue on how I'm going to do this. Yeah. And then the worst part is when someone else accomplishes something that you were planning to use in your monologue, and you're like, great, now it's my turn and my monologue is ruined. God damn it, I was planning to swing all on those curtains and then set everything on fire, and he just did it. I was planning to fall off the building and then dramatically reappear on the top of an airplane that's rising up the side. <laughs> damn it. How many Harriers are flying up the side of this building? I mean, at least four. We've done it three times. <laughs> Each one with a different Ninja Turtle on it. Wait, hold on. Hold John, do you have Michael Bay's phone number? Wait a minute, I've I've looped back around. This is great again. <laughs> and you, would you play this? Oh yeah, absolutely. This is this game is fun as hell. It it takes very little to learn how to play it, and uh, it, like the episodic nature of it is very appealing to me. The idea that I could sit down and play a whole session of this and and get all the way through the action movie just hits me in the right spot. Yeah, that you can do a full arc and be like, great, that's done, and we can move on and either continue it or abandon it and go do something completely different, but still keep the same character. Yeah. And traits like, 
you know, your catchphrases and your slow-mo close-ups and stuff like that lets you really have a good idea of what type of character you're playing. Yeah, and imagine how much fun it is in your third game when you're like, oh, uh, I, I'm playing a complete, uh, this character's a ninja, and my, my first character was like, a, you know, a cop, but I still get a huge laugh line when I go, that's what she said. Yeah. Because I guess I'm playing Michael Scarn. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> so. Like, when you when you actually have something that you can, like, call back to and say, like, oh, just like I did in this past session, but in a movie, it, like, it makes more sense. Yep. So I like it. I I would I would recommend. Okay. Double recommend for mid '90s shovelware RPG Extreme Vengeance. Good, <laughs> yeah. Good luck finding it. <laughs> All right, John. You got anything else you want to add? Uh, I just want to add that it's holiday time around here. Sorry that this is going up a little bit late. That's going to be about a day late. We'll be all right. Yeah. So, but yeah, it is the holidays, so this will be a little late. Bonus content might be a day later. And uh, if you're looking for a gift to give this holiday season, why not give it to us? Yeah, because it's too late to buy our t-shirts and expect them to arrive somewhere. So instead, what you should definitely do is uh, donate to our Patreon. Yeah, just go there. Hey, we've got an entire thing. If you just want to give us some money straight out, you can do that too. Oh yeah, if you want to just straight up give us cash for Christmas, we have a give us some money button on the front page of our website. Feel free to do that. Support that, and that would be good for us. And then we can use that, turn right around, and then buy gifts for other people. We'll pass, we'll pass it along. We'll pay it forward. I've already done all my Christmas shopping, but there's still New Year's. All my New Year's shopping. I have to get John something for New Year's. You're damn right you do. His half of the Patreon money. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So let's start off with the plugs here. John, I want to tell you about a little podcast called Backstory. Ooh. Tell me more. Backstory is an ongoing series of interviews with some of the most compelling voices in the RPG and LARP community. Well, that can't be true. We haven't been on there yet. Yeah, well, that's, obviously not. I, I'm sure they're saving it for a special episode. That must be, yeah. Uh, probably their 100th episode. Uh, designers, organizers, scholars, and other fascinating folks join your host, Alex Roberts, for a deep dive into their current projects and visions for the future of role-playing. So again, I, as a scholar, you know, as, as an emeritus... As, as a designer... And a gentleman. I, I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm a little surprised. I'm sure, I'm sure our invitations just lost in the mail. Um, okay, and check it out every other Thursday at OneShotPodcast.com. Do that. Yes, and while you're there, look for our banner on that website. Yeah, just, just keep looking just for it. It's try, not there, but just look for just it. Just try and find our button, you know? <laughs> just try and find the, it. I've heard that if you find the System Mastery button on OneShot, James will personally ma mail you a check for $1,000. I've heard that if you find the System Mastery button on OneShot, then you get a wish. <laughs> You're granted a wish by Cat Cool herself. <laughs> she comes by dressed like a leprechaun and grants you a wish. <laughs> So, all right, now I've got one more thing that I wanted to do today, which is a, a Hanukkah present to actually our shared friend, Kelly. Yes. Uh, so, Kelly is trying to get her little dog, Yoshi, who John has lived with. Yeah, Yoshi's a little dog, and boy howdy, she has so much energy. <laughs> and she loves her mom very much. <laughs> so, she's trying to get her, uh, uh, Kelly has since moved to Washington, D.C., where she has entered her dog, Yoshi, in the cutest dog in D.C. contest. Yeah. And she wants help cheating so that her dog will win. And yeah, she, it, it's just a popularity contest, so by God, let's use our our position to try and get people out there to vote for it. <laughs> that's that's what this is, let's folks. Let's work our minor internet celebrity. Now, now, I'm not lying to you. Yoshi is an adorable dog. <laughs> Yoshi is a cute little Jack in the Docks, yeah. which is a Jack Russell Dachshund mix. Yeah, it's a great combination. Uh, awesome little dog that does all kinds of fun tricks and never stops playing fetch ever. No. Not for even a second. <laughs> if you're like, 
hey, dog, did you want to do something? And it's like, what I wanted to do was chase after a thing you threw, and you're not doing it. That's so, <laughs> motherfucker, do it. That is the only thing in the world. You I, throw the thing, I go get the thing. I am going to jump in place until you throw that thing. So to help us rig a Washington, D.C. election for what I'm sure is the first time, <laughs> all I need you to do is go to our Twitter. Uh, I'll sticky the post until such time as the contest is over, which is the 22nd. So hurry along, get over to our, our Twitter, find the sticky post, and go there and vote for Yoshi so that she'll be the cutest dog in Washington, D.C. Yes. And, that's, and then we'll get kickbacks. I don't know what kind we're of in, kickbacks. We're, we're getting paid by the Yoshi lobby. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We're getting paid in having to throw the damn bone again. <laughs> Kickbacks. It's a it's a Hanukkah present for my good friend Kelly. Yeah. And our actually our mutual good friend Kelly. Yes. So there you go. So go vote for the dog again on our Twitter page. Do that. And otherwise, I think we already plugged the the uh, the thing. That yeah. We we I think we're done with plugs. I think we're done. We'll go ahead and close up the plug bag. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. And uh, thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful week. 